This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. you all had a great Labor Day weekend. And boy, uh, I want to go into labor when I look at all the stuff that's happening with the migrant shelters that are popping up all over New York City. And sadly, all the crime popping up against New York City. There's a recent case that sort of highlights just how dangerous it is to have open borders and no vetting, no checking of migrants. A case of a guy from Venezuela who has only been in the country about two months, and he's already racked up attacks on six different individuals, 14 crimes, and two of them are police officers, and he's still out. How is that even possible? Well, welcome to rules in New York City. I mean, that's what is so insane. Here is a guy who never should even be in our country to begin with. I bet you he's got a criminal record in his home country. No doubt. It's not like he just suddenly started beating up people when he came to the United States. And why didn't he just get deported as soon as they arrested him the first time? So far, again, as I mentioned, there are 14 charges against him. Six different attacks, two of them on police officers. What more does it take? And the person is still in the country. Why is that person not deported? This is la la land. And it is so crazy. And it's got to stop. And then also, this is a horrible case. And it is heartbreaking to hear. A new video has just been posted online. And I was just watching it before the show. It's really heartbreaking. It's an attack that took place in the morning on Friday. And a woman who's 60 years old is walking at the Harlem Station and Lenox Avenue, and suddenly a guy starts attacking her with her with an umbrella. She tries to fend him off with her cane. She's walking with a cane. She's obviously a woman who needs, you know, help walking. And the guy grabs the cane from her and starts beating her 50 times in the head, legs, uh, arms, stomach, back hands. So hard that the wooden cane fell apart. And she's just laying there as he's beating her. And she's like pleading for him not to beat her. And it just kind of comes out of the blue. How sad is this? And is this just to me a sign of the times of what's going on in New York City and the lawlessness that's happening in New York City and so many cities across this country? People are talking about it all over social media, this case. Uh, saying that this is what happens when there is no law and order in a community. They also say this is what happens when good Samaritans are afraid to step up. Because guess what? 
people are watching this. I'm wondering, what are they doing? I mean, it is scary to intervene because you don't want the person to turn on you. But surely if there were multiple people there, you would think they'd be able to deck this guy and stop him from beating this woman. And are people so scared in New York City to intervene because of what happened with the Marine Daniel Penny? Are people afraid that if they intervene, that they're suddenly going to get arrested for beating this nice man who, for no reason, was just beating the woman with a cane mercilessly? I hope we have not gotten to the point where we are just so desensitized to crime and to violence around us and this random, horrible violence around us that people are afraid to stand up. I mean, there has been a pattern. Jose Alba, who was just defending his bodega, Remember, suddenly the guy goes behind the corner, hops over behind the counter, goes to him, starts attacking him, and the girlfriend starts going after him. And then he gets arrested. Remember, he gets thrown in Rikers, good old, uh, you know, the D.A. Alvin Bragg in that case. And then, of course, the Daniel Penny case where he is standing on trial now because of everything defending People on that subway train, thank God there was a Daniel Penny on that subway train. Who knows what would have happened with the guy, the mentally disturbed individual. I feel bad. People are mentally disturbed. Obviously, this guy probably has mental issues, I would think. Anybody who's going to start beating a woman, taking away her cane and hitting her 50 times till the cane breaks in half, I would say that they've got a mental issue. That's for starters. But I bet you there's also a criminal record. The person never should have been out. We've heard this story over and over and over again. When is this going to stop? We have to be a community of law and order. We have to respect the law. And good people have to be, I guess, energized or at least inspired or at least feel emboldened enough that they can stand up. I mean, again, I'm concerned when I see this video of what happens But then I'm also so deeply concerned that no one is really doing anything. What is going on for someone? It's a two-minute beating, nonstop. Here's a woman, and she's obviously disabled, and she's pleading for her life. And she's still calling and calling, and the guy is still beating her. And apparently there were bystanders. So what were they doing? Were they too scared to intervene because maybe the guy threatened them? Or were they too scared to intervene because they thought they'd end up like Daniel Petty? And Jose Alba, I mean, have we come to this where people just feel like it's a free-for-all and people are afraid to step in? What a sad situation this has become, if this is indeed the case. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al, line two in Yonkers. Al, your thoughts about this? Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, Rita, I just wanted to say, you know, when people witness crime... It's unfortunate a lot of people don't want to get involved, especially when there's other people there. Uh, it goes back to when we seen the you know, infamous the case in 1964 with Kitty Genovese. Oh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. She was brutally murdered. Yes. And, you know, so I think a lot of times that's a good example. People just don't want to get involved because especially when others are there, they'll say, let the other person do it. So... It's unfortunate, but, you know, it's always great to see when a good Samaritan intervenes, like you said, with the what happened at Lenox Hill with the elderly woman is uh, this is just uh, has to stop. We have to hopefully things turn around for the better as we move forward. Yeah, we have to pray and people have to feel emboldened 
that they will do the right thing. They can't be afraid. I mean, there's so many things. And you know what I think, Al, too? I see what's going on also with police. I mean, police are afraid to intervene often in different cases because they're afraid that they're going to be accused of whether it's racism or whether it's, you know, overreach, that they're going to get hauled in to the internal, you know, bureau for questioning. Um, I mean, it, that we're in a sad state if people cannot even defend themselves and suddenly a woman who's walking with a cane who randomly some guy starts attacking her, she tries to defend herself and then he whacks her and whacks her and whacks her. I mean, this to me, sadly, just kind of epitomizes where we are. And now we've got, you know, political officials coming out and saying, what crime? Uh, crime is out of control and assaults are up in New York City and across the country in many of these states. I mean, this it's not a magical formula. It's an obvious formula that there are problems and our officials have to also acknowledge it. That's the other issue. This denial, like what crime? We all see it around us. We see how bad it is. Uh, crime, I think it's assaults have skyrocketed, by the way, in New York City, 60% over the last 13 years, slowly increasing, especially recently. So you know what? You can't turn a blind eye and say, well, the numbers, uh, well, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You feel it, you see it, and the numbers show it. Um, Al, thank you so much for your call. Uh, let's go to Jay in Cincinnati, line three. Jay, go ahead. Hey, Rita, great show. You know, you had law and order in New York City. My parents grew up there in the 40s and 50s, and they, they left in the 60s. But the worst thing that happened to my mother and her her pretty sisters were getting their rear ends pinched on the subway. You know that that was the bad thing that happened. Wow that that would be uh, that would be uh, an easy day now on a New York City subway. You know, I mean, how sad is it that you're right? There has been. You know, you know the problem. I think that's happened here, Jay. Is it's this combination of of uh, people feeling brazen and no repercussions. I I think that there are people, I think we're seeing more mentally disturbed people, we're seeing drugs, we're seeing economy, we're seeing issues with migrants. I mean, there's a lot of problems to go around, but we're also seeing people who feel like they can just kind of get away with it. It's that revolving door. They're not afraid. And I think think back then they were at least afraid of like, "Uh uh-oh, we better not do anything or else. Oh, yeah. You don't have to be an Eagle Scout to step in, you know. There were plenty of good Samaritans around then. My, my grandfathers would have really whipped some ass. If oh, yeah. If my, that happened. my father would have been like, uh, come over here, son. <laughs> I agree with you, Jay. One thousand thousand percent. Wow. 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 Let's go to Brian in Brooklyn. Line eight. Uh, Brian, your thoughts. How you doing? Sorry, I'm not. I was just telling your producer, I said, I'm 40 years old. I have two little kids. I'm from Brooklyn. I grew up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. My family has been here since 1850. I didn't feel unsafe in New York until the last three years. And I grew up up in a bad neighborhood. I live in a much better neighborhood now. I take the train every day. Wait, you didn't feel safe? You feel safe? No, I don't feel safe. Okay, that's what I thought. I misheard you. Good, because you're right. I don't either. (laughs) Listen, I am 200 pounds of man. I've got a well-trained, I've been in a bar business, I've been a teacher my entire adult life. And I see people on train now, like, I won't take my kid anywhere, anywhere but my neighborhood at this point if I'm not driving because of the fear. And I see what's going on, and it seems like no one else does. And it's a 
terrifying factor. I talk to friends of mine that also live in New York that may not agree with me politically. And they say, oh, it's nice. It's not so bad. And I say, like, I grew up, remember, like, uh, my first memory was four, playing with crack files in the street, my mother yelling at me and swallowing them out of my hand. And I don't think that's bad considering everything now. Yeah, that is for sure. Now, let me let me ask you, what do you attribute that change to, Brian, that I think, sadly, uh, most of us uh, with uh, half a brain see? Uh, people just don't care anymore. And I come from a cop family. Like, I have brothers that thankfully retired for a long, long time and grew up and they worked in bad neighborhoods. But even 20 and 30 years ago, you know, it, 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 this didn't happen. And it, it just didn't happen. You know, if, if you saw the cop, you didn't do anything silly. And now if people see the cops, they laugh. And I see it all the time. I saw two young cops on my corner uh, in Brooklyn last week. And there was two guys just acting very, very foolish. The cops went over to him and essentially told him to stop it. And the guys laughed and just kept on doing it. And the cops didn't know what to do. They called the supervisor eventually. and the, But the guys just walked off. You know, they were harassing a person on the street. That, you know, and it's a young woman with a carriage. You know, I have two I have two kids that are under two years old, you know, and now it's like I have a double stroller. And like I, you know, old me would have had a very different reaction. New me has like, well, I have two kids and I can't just I can't just say what I want to say or do something, because if I do, you know, my kids can get hurt or I can get locked up. You know, right. you know, I'm going to be the bad guy. Either How way. sad is that? Isn't that, a, you know, I think you're it's very perceptive of what you're saying, Brian. And I think. Sadly, a lot of people in New York feel that way because they don't feel like, uh, you know, at least the district attorney's office has their back. Uh, and I brought up just those cases that I thought about with Jose Alba and Daniel Penny, the Marine. Yep, exactly. um, you know, those two, uh, to me, uh, like, how would anybody ever think, OK, well, those are the bad guys. What, they're supposed to wait until, you know, uh, what, they get stabbed? You know, and and that's basically what happened with Jose Alba. The guy, you know, the the girlfriend had uh, the knife. Um, the guy was coming after him, pushing him, cornering him. What is he supposed to get clocked and be in a coma, and then he has the right to defend himself? I mean, th- this is not. This is like crazy land. Well, I just moved. Like we're we're still. Um, my wife is still based in New York because I I moved. That's where we're between upstate New York and downstate New York. Half the time now, and I said for me to say I want to leave the city. I was the last in my family to leave Brooklyn, and it, it, it broke my heart to do so. But we have a better quality of life when we're upstate half the time, and we're in a relatively rural area outside Binghamton. Um, but I feel safer. Like, I let my kids play outside, no problem. You know, we go to the local playgrounds and, and meet the local, you know, making local friends. And the quality of life between New York City and moving three hours away, part-time, soon to be full-time, is night and day. You know, the neighbors say hello. You see American flags, and people are polite. I come back to Brooklyn and a city that I loved for my entire life, my entire 40 years. And now I see it and it just breaks my heart to come back. You yeah, know? And I think so many people feel that way, Brian. And what a sad situation for such a great city. And I just hope that we can turn it around because it can't get much worse, sadly. And I think uh, there has to be respect for each other. There has to be respect for law and order. There has to be respect for police um, and there has to be repercussions for people and people have to be afraid. They have to be afraid to attack somebody because they don't want to end up uh, in jail for the rest of their lives. Now they're just like, oh, good, I'll go back out on the street. No big deal. Um, or the good guy gets thrown in jail. Even worse. I mean, it's just it is just it is insane. Um, and I hope that this turns around. Uh, we're going to continue with your calls, Brian. Thank you very much. one 800 And we'll continue your calls. 
on this Labor Day. Rita Cosby with you. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, later on, we are going to be talking about what's going on with the migrant shelters in New York City and really across the country. Uh, some new price tabs on how much it is costing. New York City, by the way, is spending $35 million for two migrant hotels uh, as this crisis continues. Apparently, they're ga- giving it to nonprofits, a pair of nonprofits, to house migrant at hotels in Manhattan and Queens as part of $5.2 billion racked up so far. And again, it's expected to hit. 12 billion by the end of 2025 and it may go much higher but think about all that money that the city is spending this according to the new york post 35 million dollars for just two migrant hotels can and it's in there are literally 200 plus sites many of them new york city hotels so do the math this is costing a fortune 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Think about if we could spend more money for police officers and others, because, boy, do we need them right now as crime is skyrocketing. New York City assaults going up 60%, according to police data. And this latest case is very disturbing, a shocking. It's a two-minute video, and you see this guy lunging at a woman, with an umbrella, she tries to fend him off with her cane. And then he goes crazy on her, starts smacking her with her coke, with her cane 50 times. And it's in about a two-minute span. Again, at a New York City subway, uh, NYPD eventually responded to a 911 call. The woman remained motionless on the ground for a few seconds until then the suspect kicked her several more times. Before the video cuts off. I mean, this there is like no limit to just the horror and disgust of some of these individuals who just shouldn't be on the streets of New York. And I bet it's going to be the same old story. Okay, well, he had a bad childhood or he got busted 20 times and uh, we had no idea that he was violent just because the other 19 were violent crimes. 
I mean, this is nuts. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark, line uh, three in Long Island. Mark, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I live in uh, Long Island. Uh, a few months ago on Saturday, um, a couple of kids uh, were harassing some young Jewish kids. So, uh, you know, the, 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 they ran away, but uh, the cops were called. When the, when the cops came, uh, we asked them, like, you know, next time this happens, like, what do we do? Should we do a citizen's arrest? Should we try to hold him? And the cops said, honestly, there's nothing you can do. Uh, you, you go and just do a citizen's arrest, you'll probably get sued. Uh, you know, you break the kid's arm by mistake, you get sued. You get locked up. How sad is that? By the way, what a sad testament that we're at that point. It's crazy. What it, are we supposed to do? It is It is 1,000% crazy, Mark. Um, and, and so many people feel that way. And that's why people are afraid to step in. And people are nuts these days. Police are afraid to step in, let alone citizens. That's a scary, lawless place to be. We're going to continue your calls after the break. Mark, thanks so much. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great law enforcement our men and women in blue, which we certainly need more of these days in New York City and elsewhere. Here's a powerful story coming from Pennsylvania, where a local police officer, Jared Shope, has been recognized for multiple acts of heroism. And he says his motivation to help others comes from watching his father's life in law enforcement. Shope started police work in 2016. He's been praised for rescuing a man from a raging house fire. He was also recognized for saving a woman's life when she suffered a heart attack for the 2013 high school graduate. It's all part of a police officer's job. Selfless passion is a trait that he inherited from his father, Scott Shope, who is a Richland Township, Pennsylvania police officer. Shope said, quote, being around my dad my whole life, he was always in police work. Also, a lot of his friends are also police officers Seeing what they do, I thought that's my passion, so I pursued it. Now, Shope said his job, of course, doesn't come without risk. The first responder was patrolling Adams Township around 3 a.m. one day when a fire broke out. He and the homeowner described what happened back then. He said, I was the first responder on the scene. The fire was basically through the whole house when I got there. And he was able to find the man and pull him out. The man said, I can't move. I can't walk. So he had to feel his way through the flames. He said he could hear the screaming around the house and he was able to get the man out to safety. He said it is all in a day's work. And he said, my main objective is to come to work and to go home to my family and appreciate also my family at the job and, of course, my community. Shope said he plans to continue serving the community as a law enforcement officer for many, many years to come. And how beautiful that he learned all these great traits from his equally heroic father. 
Well, we are talking about law and order in the streets of New York City. And this latest case is downright disheartening. The fact that a 60-year-old woman gets on to a subway, uh, you know, just a, a platform there. Essentially, it's 3.30 in the morning. Uh, this woman gets on. It's uh, in Harlem. And suddenly a guy comes over to her, as you see in this video that's making the rounds and a lot of people watching it. It's hard to watch. I want to warn you that because it's so hard to see this brutal attack. This guy comes after her with a big umbrella. She's trying to fend off this crazy man with an umbrella. She takes her cane. She's a 60-year-old woman who uses a cane to walk, and she's trying to protect herself. He grabs the cane, of course. He big guy grabs it away from her and starts beating her with her cane, with her wooden cane. She is hit almost all over her body, including her head, at least 50 times in a two-minute span. And pleading, please don't do it, please don't do it. He's continuing, continuing. And then at one point, she's like laying there motionless. He waits a few seconds, and then he starts kicking her. And he hit her so hard that the cane broke. This is sadly all too typical in New York City, these random attacks by these crazy disturbed people. And I'm sure when we look into the background of this guy, he probably has a rap sheet a mile long, or there are at least many warning signs that were missed. There seems to be a reoccurring pattern here, like there are reoccurring criminals that keep coming in and out of the justice system without any repercussions. How can this be? How can a society have any form of law and order when somebody just feels emboldened to go over? And where were the bystanders? There clearly had to be other people around. Where were they? What were they doing? Filming it but not doing anything? Did they try to intervene? Are they too scared to intervene because they see what happened to Maureen Daniel Penny or Jose Alba, the bodega worker? Both of those two who were charged. Of course, the bodega owner's... Those charges ultimately got dropped, but it was only after all this outcry that they actually got dropped. So are people just too scared to speak up? What a sad situation we are in. And it seems to be the case that people are afraid to intervene. Law enforcement often afraid to intervene because if they do, they're afraid they're going to get hauled into eternal affairs. This is a formula for crisis and disaster. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Peggy, uh, line three in Queens. Peggy, your thoughts about all this. This is horrible. Hello, Rita. I I did not see the video, but I hope to God was this a surveillance um, camera because if somebody stood there for two minutes filming this and even if they're afraid to intervene, a person could yell and scream or use that phone to call 911. I understand uh, crimes caught on film are helpful, but if somebody is standing there filming when they could be doing something to help, this is so upsetting. It is I don't really know upsetting. It was a surveillance. Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. I am not sure if it's surveillance footage. Apparently, uh, there are reports that there were some people at least around. Um, it kind of looks like surveillance video a little bit. Um, but, you know, it could also be at the time you would think that there would be at least some people around. You know, that's the thing that's that's just almost unfathomable, like where there's got to be somebody else you would imagine at that hour 
around there and two whole minutes and and she's screaming. She's getting beaten. I mean, you see him smacking her on the head, you know, with uh, with a stick. So you do have to wonder, like, what's going on? Was there somebody else around? Surely somebody had to have seen it or or heard, you know, heard the, the stick smacking. I mean, that's what's really, really scary. And you're right. Um, maybe there wasn't anybody else around, but I find that hard to believe. And I also find it hard to believe that nobody heard her screams. Uh, and this poor woman, and he, and she just laid there. He's just standing there. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm not done. Let me now kick her. I, I mean, this is this is like like we have broken down every sort of norm of civil society. It is really really scary and and that's that is just it's heartbreaking peggy thanks so much peggy let's go to melissa line two melissa your thoughts hi good evening um thank you for taking my call uh i'm somebody who grew up in the borderline of cypress hills and woodhaven yeah um courtesy you would kind of know that but just, you had the option of taking two different types of trains you could walk over and take the a train or you could take the l which was the j train the A train was the worst. The A train, everybody, every man in that world would have their peepees out. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right. So now what do you think about the situation now, Melissa? I think that it's going back to that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Going back to the bad old days. To yeah, listen. I don't mind the graffiti. I I just mind the 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 peepees hanging out. By the way, uh, the whole peepees is obviously not a a peepee peeling. That's one. Uh, but separate than that, uh, they're doing things. Uh, many times they also might be armed. Um, they're attacking people. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And, and just like you, I I think. You know, it's that degradation that you're talking about. Um, a lot of them are on drugs, too. Um, we've seen that. I mean, even since COVID, I feel like it was getting bad even pre-COVID. But after COVID, it, it's like a ghost town. And it's like the like the land of uh, it's like the land of the walking dead half the time. You know, you see them and you're like, oh, boy. All right, duck, run. You know, and how sad is that, that we have come to that place? Um, where that is sadly the norm. And I think sadly almost every uh, street in New York is like that and every subway car sadly in New York is that. You, you hit a great, great point. Uh, Melissa, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Andrew, line eight. Andrew, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Sorry if I'm selfish, but I'm glad to be out of the city. I work part-time with uh, C-SPAN Book TV, so I'm not regularly in the city, but I saw guys you know, touching themselves in the bathroom at Penn Station. And I worked with the Post as, a, you know, a writer, which is unusual that they hired me because I'm more of a news videographer. But the trick they kind of did is I was covering just crime stories, which I didn't know. And they had me walking around New York City. So what did you think, with, Andrew? What did you see? What did you think? It was terrible. I had to ask people if they're tourists and they're afraid to get thrown on the subway car. And I remember then I left that temporary job and I was in the Poconos at a little local news and I was listening to your station and you were talking, you were talking about people getting pushed on the subway. And I just remember being so relieved that I didn't have to be in New York city covering riots and protests. And I was threatened, you know, at a Palestinian protest question if I was Jewish, Jewish. So I was just so happy to be out of there, but I don't want to sound selfish, but just from my perspective, 
when I do go in for C-SPAN, it's few and far between, and we're at Harvard Club or, you know, Columbia University. No, but you know what? But, Andrew, you bring up a great point because it's like when you step away from the city, you're like, God, uh, things are clean. People aren't beating each other up. Uh, You know, it's like like I think in some ways, sadly, I think um, people who are in the city all the time, it's like, oh, another attack. You know, and, and, you know, just when you think like and you can't be like that, it's got to be people have to say, wait, no, this cannot be. This is not civil society. I mean, the fact that in this case, this guy is grabbing the cane um, from some woman and just beating her with her cane and doesn't seem to care. Doesn't look like he's looking around or worried or concerned. It's like, yeah, like a typical day. Um, And that that is really sad, just like you said. And when you kind of step away from it, you realize just how insane it is. Um, Andrew, thank you. And I'm glad that you're okay too, through going through all those crazy assignments too, my friend. Thank you so much. Let's go to Norm, line six. Norm, your thoughts. Yeah, my thoughts. First of all, no, no peepee talk from me. Anyway, um, Rita, um, you and I, I all your listeners. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you, I, all your listeners can see and know the rising crime in New York. Yet you put on any network TV. Channel News, and it's a total blackout on this. And uh, I just, you know, it's very frustrating. You know, I email friends of mine in Austria, and I tell them, you know, New York crime's going up in New York. And they email me back, oh, I have not heard that. It's almost they don't believe me. They wow. Think they think I'm making, uh, yeah. So, you know, we're all being gaslighted by the uh, network news. You, right. know, they're, you bring they're, up a good yeah. point, though, because, like, it depends what station you watch. It depends, like... You know, it's like, oh, no, no problems there, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and why do you think it is that they um, don't cover, you know, the news? Um, and, well, and, and I really mean don't cover the news because, uh, you know, I almost think there's nothing more important than people being mm-hmm. safe and feeling safe in their homes, Norm. Okay. Well, concerning concerning the crime issue in New York, the reason why they're not covering it is unfortunately because a lot of it is minority caused. And even though and my and and uh, and the recipients are minorities, but they 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 don't want to put it on the news because they don't want to get heat that they are being racist, that they're being, you know, then they're they're anticipating lawsuits and stuff. So the best way they do it is they just ignore it. Well, that's a sad testament. I'm telling you. Uh, And to me, uh, it is not a black and white issue. It's an issue of crime, good people versus bad people. And uh, no matter the color, uh, you know, good people have to defend each other and protect each other. And the fact that it looks like in this case nobody did anything um, and also separately than that, that he had the chance that they just felt emboldened enough to do it. Um, you know, I, it's so funny. I, I don't even to me, it, it is not an issue of the skin color. It's the issue of the quality of the individual. And clearly these people just feel so emboldened to do it. Uh, let's go to Stefano, line two. Stefano, your thoughts. Oh, hi, Rita. Good evening. Uh, listen, so just as a uh, veteran and as a law enforcement officer myself, I understand that not everybody could train in martial arts or everything like that, especially this poor older woman that got beaten. But let me rewind the audience of the Nyserpa vs. Bruin case that went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that New York State's laws as far as carrying firearms are unconstitutional, and you must allow people to carry weapons to defend themselves outside of their homes. So what did Governor Hochul do after that? After that, Governor Hochul went 
and she made pretty much 99% of the streets in New York City gun-free zones. Now, granted, people are going to abide by the law, of course. You have to. People don't want to break the law. At the same time, if I may add, there's also non-lethal force options that people could use, such as tasers and OC spray, but those, again, on the New York City books are deemed illegal for people to carry. So in the situation with this poor, poor woman, which I hope she's okay, who got beaten by this senseless maniac, uh, you know, if she was carrying anything like that, I'm not saying it would have stopped it altogether, but maybe if one of the Samaritans were and they felt like they were legally obligated to use that, they could have to stop the situation at hand. No, that's, uh, that's, that's a great the, point. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Stefano. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, You know what? Furthermore, this person had an intent to kill this woman. This wasn't just someone who said, hey, I'm going to go hit her two times on the head with a wooden cane or my umbrella. When you got somebody like that doing and hitting her like that, that would have been uh, a justifiable situation to go ahead and get, you know, honestly shot over with deadly physical force laws. Meaning if somebody was legally able to carry a weapon, they could have said, hey, stop, hey, stop. And if he didn't shoot, uh, somebody would have been legally able to shoot them. If Absolutely. They were allowed to carry. No, you know so. what? You bring up some great points because you're right. That was clearly lethal force. She's lucky she's alive. Um, and, uh, I don't know her full well being, but I think she is still, she is alive. Um, which is really just amazing, um, that she even survived that. Cause if you see it, he's like clocking her on the head. Um, and that's really scary. I mean, that could be brain damage, you know, or it could be a coma. I mean, this is it's really, really, uh, really frightening. Um, and it's just it's just a scary, scary premise. And you're right. That is, a, you know, if somebody is doing that to you, um, if you if you are allowed to by law uh, to return with deadly force, uh, you certainly are justified because you are defending yourself. And at that point, she had nowhere to go. And when she's motionless, I mentioned, he kept going at it again. I mean, these this, these monsters. By the way, Stefano, I also think he should be charged um, with some serious crimes, too. It should be attempted murder, you know. I mean, it shouldn't be just simple assault. That's not a simple assault. Uh, that is something really serious. So on the other hand, there should also be the book thrown at him from a legal perspective. So he doesn't ever walk the streets again because clearly this man is a deranged man and never should be out. Uh, Stefano, great points. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. On the Rita Cosby Show, we will talk about the latest with migrant shelters popping up all over New York City. And Joe Biden, MIA at the border, but he's also MIA at a lot of other crises. A new stunning number shows he's been on vacation 45% of the time since he's been in office. That is a huge number. And he still hasn't been to East Palestine, which is the site of that train derailment. And he keeps trying to take swipes at Trump. Meantime, Trump is gaining in the polls. They're now tied. And some new polls coming out, uh, which show where the GOP race is stacking up. We're going to have all of that 
in the next hour. So a lot more ahead on the Rita Cosby show. Meantime, we are talking about this horrible attack uh, that a lot of people are talking about. This attacker beating a 60 year old woman in a New York subway, hitting her 50 times over two minutes with her own wooden cane so hard uh, that it broke. And she was beaten the head, legs, stomach, back, hands everywhere, pleading and no evidence that any MTA workers, police, subway riders or anybody else intervened to stop the beating. Where was everybody and how could this happen in America? Let's go to Danny, line eight. Danny, your thoughts about this? Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking the call. I got a question. Did they catch the guy that did that? No, they did not. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, they don't know who he is. He fled the scene, apparently, before police arrived. And they don't have any idea of how it started. The woman, by the way, I was looking. She is in a nearby hospital. She's in stable condition. Uh, she's lucky to be alive, Danny. I mean, that's amazing. I know. I'm, I'm retired law enforcement for 25 years, and I carry my uh, weapon off duty. But, uh, you know, if I was in that situation, you know, I'd, I'd pull it out, pull out the, my gun and order the guy to stop. But I don't think I would shoot him. I would try to apprehend him somehow. Yeah. And, and listen, we needed somebody like you there because uh, that's what's so disheartening, Danny, is that all these other people, it's like, what were they doing? We don't know. Maybe they were not around, but you would think somebody was around at that time. Danny, thank you so much for your service. You said you're retired law enforcement. We love and appreciate you. More after the break, everybody. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, things are getting messy with the migrants. You knew it was going to come to this. Here's this case of this man, Daniel Hernandez Martinez. He's a 29-year-old guy. Uh, He came from Venezuela just about two months ago to New York City, came illegally, clearly hasn't been vetted, checked, whatever, uh, and... He told the cops uh, he allegedly committed his first crime the day after he crossed the border. Isn't that nice? Who's coming into our country? And apparently the crime spree has continued over and over again. It includes also six times on 14 different charges, assaulting three citizens and two police officers. So he seems awfully brazen. And wouldn't you know that after the first time you arrest somebody like that, don't you say, listen, get out of the country. You know what? It is a privilege to be in this country, in America, and we should make sure that you are following the law. You get in here. You're being put up in a shelter. You got all this other stuff taken care of at taxpayers' expense, and you're committing crimes? Uh, This is what happens when you can't vet people. You don't know their background. We don't know his background. Uh, Was he a criminal in his home country? We don't know. We don't check. We have no idea. You think Venezuela is even going to be honest with us? I mean, there's so many layers to this. 
And so he gets out and then he commits another crime and then he commits another crime. And to this day, he is still out and hasn't been deported yet. Boy, does this not epitomize how screwy Kazuni our immigration system is, particularly in New York. Any other country would say, you know what, maybe we should vet them at the border. Maybe we should check them at the border. Uh, I'll give you an example. In Israel, there are a number of Eritrean asylum seekers from the country of Eritrea. They were involved in some riots over the weekend. And the president of Israel, the prime minister, Netanyahu, came out just a couple hours ago and said, you know what, we might just shut it down and not allow any more Eritreans to come into the country, and we may kick out everybody from Eritrea, these asylum seekers, if they're not going to behave appropriately in our country. It's called law and order. It's called it's a privilege to be in the country. And so in this case, we're the opposite. We're like, yeah, just kind of keep committing crimes and we won't do anything. How crazy is the justice system in New York? It's not like this everywhere, but it clearly is in New York. And it comes at a time where migrant shelters are busting at the seams. And here is New York Congressman Mike Lawler talking about what a mess this is and with no end in sight unless they start to plug the hole at the border. Take a listen. Well, look, we could speed up the work authorization, but it's not going to solve the problem here. Uh, Since Joe Biden became president, you've had over five and a half million migrants cross the border uh, illegally. Uh, Many of these asylum cases uh, are taking two to three years to be heard. And when they are finally heard, uh, they're being rejected, 70 percent of them. Uh, In New York City, a sanctuary city, they've taken in over 100,000 migrants uh, since last year. And so they can't handle the overload. Uh, And so just, you know, expediting the work authorization here is not going to solve the problem. Even the deputy mayor uh, of New York City admitted as much last week that unless we deal with the crisis at the border, uh, the problem is going to persist in New York City. The problem is going to persist in New York City. I would say so. And so much so the price tab, again, that we just learned a little bit ago, according to The New York Post, The city has forked over $35 million to a pair of nonprofits to house migrants at hotels in Queens and Manhattan. Part of the $5.2 billion racked up, they say, so far as they're dealing with the growing crisis. Isn't that amazing? Uh, When you look at the amount, apparently uh, the Department of Homeless awarded $26.4 million to the Volunteers of America to aid migrants at the Paul Hotel in Midtown, and also another $9.5 million to Lutheran Social Services in Metropolitan New York, which has been hosting migrants at the Fairfield Inn in Long Island City. And those are just two of the 200 locations plus that they have been housing almost 100,000 migrants that have crossed through the door so far in New York City with No end in sight. And so tonight, just a few hours ago, and it may still be going on now, uh, there was a protest scheduled in Staten Island, New York. That's where at one location that's really right in the middle of a residential area, it's in an old Catholic school, and it's right across from a grammar school. 
20 feet from a grammar school. How crazy is that? I mean, could you pick a worse place? Uh, Yeah, let's do it by an open grammar school, 20 feet away. And it's in a residential area. So the residents there are protesting yet again. They were protesting last week and the week before. And they were protesting again tonight as they're trying to fight this out in court for saying it's, quote, a nuisance, a security risk, and a whole bunch more. And here is Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella saying that this open-door policy and open-wallet policy is impossible to maintain. We're going to continue to, to resi- you know, highlight the problems, as Mike Pence said. I heard a little bit of what he said at the end. This goes back to a wide-open federal border, and now it's coming to a neighborhood near you, and we're suffering, and we're forced to solve a problem that we didn't uh, start, and we're just not going to roll over and play dead. We're going to stand up and try to say that this is not right, that this policy has to end. It's unsustainable. And a couple hours ago, myself and John Katsimatidis talked to the former vice president, Mike Pence, of course, presidential candidate. And the vice president, former vice president, Mike Pence, said at least he applauds Eric Adams for speaking out and criticizing the White House. Needless to say, obviously, a lot of his policies or the policies he inherited uh, continued this policy and created it. Uh, but at least he is speaking out against it, which is more than a lot of Democrats are. And here's what the vice president had to say, the former vice president. You know what? I got to do a hat tip to the mayor of New York, who's been willing to call out President Joe Biden and his administration for their absolute failure to secure the southern border of the United States. Yeah, and at least he is speaking out about it, although I wish he hadn't said, hey, come on into New York. Everybody, you're welcome. Oh, boy, I can't believe they came. You know, it's like some epiphany that they listened to him. So where are we going from here at a time where crime is just all over the place? We talked about this horrible random crime that is taking place on the subway. This terrible recent case of a 60-year-old woman who had her cane taken away from her, beaten to a pulp. Uh, She's lucky to be alive. Uh, There were also other cases over the weekend, too, as well. And also at the end of August... There were a whole bunch of different violent incidents, including one with a train operator beaten uh, by a pipe-wielding man. There was also another strap hanger who was stabbed by a teenager in separate attacks over the last weekend in August. So, uh, sadly, this recent uh, case is basically par for the course. What a sad situation we are in right now. And I contend we should be spending the money getting a lot more law enforcement and instead... Uh, We are capped out, but somehow we're finding money for more migrant shelters. And it doesn't seem like the flow is ending. Uh, I I keep saying that Floyd Bennett Field, which is, of course, that kind of old airfield in Brooklyn. And many of you may know it's it's near a beach, Rockaway Beach. So it's right near what could go wrong. A whole bunch of single adult men uh, from that have MS-13 tattoos on them and there's a beach with string bikinis across the way. Great. Uh, that sounds like uh, uh, just a formula for disaster. I contend that whole airfield, I think, is going to be filled with tents and cots uh, in the coming months because we are busting at the seams. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete, who's in Staten Island. Uh, Pete, did you go um, on uh, Line 5? Did you go? to that um, event tonight there, Pete, at the uh, protest? No, 
No, I didn't. But the thing is, I want to see what's going to happen on Thursday when the schools open. There's talk out here of uh, parents not sending their children to school if they're going to have the migrants going there unvaccinated and uh, not having any kind of thing. You know, there's malaria. There's a lot of stuff. The hospitals are keeping very tight lip about it. But nurses that I know are telling me that the hospitals are getting infiltrated with people with diseases that were like uh, 50 years ago, malaria and uh, cholera and other stuff. It's horrible. You know, Pete, and, uh, Pete I, I heard, really, by the way, yeah. I heard um, that, yeah, that there have been, we've had a couple doctors on the shows, and I remember I talked to a couple who said that they're finding some new strain of tuberculosis, um, some of these other things that are very serious, you know, really serious, especially for kids. Um, and, and the fact, you know, Pete, I'm glad you brought up the schools because it's really concerning. I mean, these people are not vaccinated. They're just not checked. I mean, why is there a different standard for migrants where you would think there'd be a more stringent standard? I mean, the old days, you know, think about the tests that they were doing through people in Ellis Island. They wouldn't let anybody come through unless they made sure that they were perfectly healthy, had no criminal record, did all this stuff. Now it's like, oh, yeah, we'll uh, make it much easier for you. I know you've been sleeping under a highway bridge, but we're not going to check you. But we're going to check Johnny, you know, uh, from Staten Island. I mean, it just does not seem fair, Pete. And it also just seems in, like like almost like it's it's like it's intentionally destructive behavior because you can't be that stupid. Um, what do you think is going on, Pete? Why is there this double standard? Uh, it's This is horrible. They think that these people are going to vote Democrat, and this is only to ensure their elections. But, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of these people are pro against abortion, and they're not going to go with this thing. You know, abortion, I'm sorry, is murder. I witnessed it. I never anybody that I got pregnant. My friends used to pay me to go and hold their girlfriend's hands uh when they were having this done, I witnessed it. it's the most horrible thing you could ever experience. And by the way, and by the way, it, Pete, some people, by the way, Pete, some people, you're right, will not automatically vote Democratic, even though they're assuming because, you know, a lot of them are coming from um, very strong sort of faith backgrounds, Catholic backgrounds and um, and feel differently, certainly about um, like issues like abortion, family values. Um, you know, and, and listen, I don't begrudge the people that are coming here. I do begrudge the people like the, uh, this criminal guy who's been arrested multiple times. How about that case? How about the fact that that guy hasn't been deported yet, Pete? I mean, is that not insane? He's been arrested, uh, six times for 14 crimes and he's only been here two months. And for some reason we haven't figured out, uh, you know, to say, see ya and don't ever come back in America again. What do you think of that, Pete? That's horrible. And that woman that got beat up with the uh, cane and stuff, uh, uh, the guy, I I, I want to find out if somebody videotaped that. They should have been acting. They should have tried yell, scream or anything or if they had any little uh, martial arts ability. I'm walking around with my, uh, my uh, martial arts belt on now because my hands are registered. And out here, it's uh, this is like... Uh, uh, this is like Texas, like the uh, back in the cowboy days. This is like uh, warfare. I mean, I got to come out of my house prepared to fight for my life. I got to be able to drive in the street and have somebody that jumps in front of my car to make me stop so they could open, try to open the doors and kill me.
this is out here. It's you. You can't. The, the police, their hands are tied, and uh, everything. This is horrible. This is like an experience. My parents are dead, but my father would have never tolerated this. He would have been out with a baseball bat. Absolutely. You know? I mean, uh, by the way, one thousand percent, Pete. Thank you, Pete. I always appreciate your perspective. I wish it was a happier topic. Uh, but it, it's so important to address because people need to be on the lookout and be aware. Um, and also, we need to change and stem this tide because uh, we don't want it to get any worse. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two, And we'll continue your calls, everybody, after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I think the border and crime are two enormous issues and will be for sure in the presidential election. When we come back after the break, we're going to continue talking about the migrant crisis and what should be done. Also, the crime crisis that is affecting so many cities and some new polls are very revealing about where President Trump stands in the GOP primary race And a new poll shows he is tying Biden. Some polls show that he is beating President Biden. Uh, So no wonder President Biden's now trying to take swipes at him. And this is going to be one heck of a nasty primary season. There's no doubt about it. But what a contrast. It couldn't be more, you know, uh, bleak and more obvious in terms of the way the border is right now. The fact that as soon as President Biden took over, he lifted remain in Mexico. He lifted the Title 42, which was that health provision. Uh, Think about how important that would be right now as we're starting school with, as we were just talking about with Pete from Staten Island, how these people with, you know, potential diseases that haven't been vetted, their families haven't been checked for criminal records. The kids haven't been checked for health issues. They're not required to be vaccinated. Yet our American kids are. I mean, this is just nuts. And you're going to put them all into a classroom. They don't even speak the language. So they're hiring all these English as a second language teachers being added to the roster. Who's paying for that? American taxpayers. And then, of course, all these migrant shelters. Who's paying for that? American taxpayers. Uh, Where does this all end? This is just a mess. And that's why there's been a lot more protests. There was a protest over the weekend in Cape Cod of all places, because people are just fed up. They're saying, what is this doing in our backyard? We're worried. We're worried about kids. We're worried about our communities. Uh, Why is this here? Uh, You know, I didn't know they were going to be suddenly stuck in our community. People are fed up and frustrated, and I do think these two issues will be enormous issues uh, that will be focused on during the campaign, because, boy, it could not be more stark and more clear in terms of parties that care about the border and protecting this country and also national security and international security. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts, everybody, as you are hearing this situation? And boy, is it a mess, 1,000%. Uh, let's go to Hector, line nine, uh, line eight, rather. Uh, Hector, uh, you want to talk about uh, what's going on in the subway? Because, boy, this is so sad. Good evening, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. It's just so upsetting. I grew up in Queens most of my life. I live on Long Island now, 
But is it is it a wonder? D.A. Bragg practically villainized the Marine, right? The, uh, um, what was his name, Penny? Yeah, oh, he did um, villainize him. He villainized him, all right. Right. So not, I'm not justifying that no one stepped in. Anyone, someone, everyone should have. But can you imagine the fear of, well, what if something happens to this aggressor? Am I going to be in trouble? I have a family to feed. I have bills to pay. I have a, you know, I'm, I'm an outstanding citizen. I don't need this. You know what? And, and Hector, you're right. I'm sure that went through the minds of people if they were there. And how sad is it that we've come to that, that the good guys are afraid to step in? That is a dire situation. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great military and their families, a really powerful story coming from Zeeland, Michigan, where the U.S. Army awarded a West Michigan man with a Special Forces tab and Green Beret on Friday morning following his service in World War II. Now, veteran Ellsworth Johnson served as a medic and a member of the Office of Strategic Services Operational Group between 1943 and 1945. During his time in the military, He parachuted into occupied France. He trained, he recruited, and embedded himself with Allied troops, all while behind enemy lines. He also conducted a similar mission in China as he fought against the Japanese. Uh, That group, the OSSOG, is really the predecessor to special forces as we know it. And the head of the command, the commanding general of United States Operation Command, Uh, Major General Patrick Robertson, who's the deputy there now, said that the unit that this veteran was in is really the foundation of everything we have done in special forces. So during a ceremony that took place just a few days ago at an assisted living center, veteran Johnson was surrounded by family and friends while he was honored with the award. Fighting back tears, Johnson said he was emotionally drained, saying that he was humbled by the turnout. Also, his grandson uh, pointed out that his grandfather volunteered for this. This wasn't something he was assigned. He went in and he put the extra effort in to do something very, very important for his country. Johnson is believed to also be the last living member of the Strategic Services Operational Group, which means that the service that took place just a few days ago was not only the first for the U.S. Army, but also, sadly, the last uh, what an amazing man and an amazing piece of history um, and how uh, wonderful that he got to be honored here uh, in this time at his assisted living facility for heroics during 1943 through 1945. And bravo, of course, to all of our great World War II veterans and their families. We love and appreciate the greatest generation. Well, we are talking, of course, about crime And also border security, the migrant crisis exploding all over the place. And meantime, President Biden uh, just seems to be in la-la land. I mean, he seems so disconnected from reality. Everybody, if you look at some of these new polls, 70% of Democrats don't want him to run again. And when they're asked, what words would you use to describe him? 
the words aged and senile come up, even among Democrats. They see it. I mean, it's very, very apparent that he is degrading. He seems detached, doesn't seem, you know, involved Um, in some of the new polls. There's a brand new one that came out just a little bit ago. This is a Wall Street Journal one. It shows that the race is tightening. In the past, the Wall Street Journal was putting Biden ahead. And now they're showing that Trump is 46 percent, Biden 46 percent, undecided voters in this country at 8 percent. And it also shows that President Trump is really in an enormously commanding lead amongst his GOP primary rivals. Uh, he is at, this is an amazing, I mean, in politics, this like never, ever really happens. President uh, Trump is now 59%, clearly the front runner, obviously, but continues to widen his lead. DeSantis is 13%. So again, first place Trump. 59% and he is 46% over the closest rival which is DeSantis who seems to be dropping at 13%. Nikki Haley right behind DeSantis, she got a bump cuz I thought she did a good job in the last uh, debate. There's another debate at the end of this month so it'll be interesting. It's also going to be in California with the Reagan Library so you know they're going to talk about border security a lot, California. Uh, Univision is one of the other broadcasters, too, that's doing it. So I'm sure they will talk a lot about migrants, a lot about border security. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy seems to have dropped a little bit in the polls uh, with some of the comments that he's made of late about Israel and elsewhere. Uh, Chris Christie right behind uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Pence, two, Scott, two, uh, Doug Burgum, one, and Asa Hutchinson, one percent. But again, President Trump, 59 percent. And DeSantis at 13%. That is an enormously uh, huge lead that seems almost insurmountable for anybody trying to beat President Trump at this time. And if you look at President Biden, you know, Trump is on the trajectory up. He seems to keep going up and up no matter how many different things they try to throw at him, no matter what different indictments they try to throw at him, where President Biden definitely seems to be dropping. And today he's at a rally in Philly and he's like laughing about the age thing. I I mean, I don't think it's any laughing matter. I think it's scary. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to be able to make it to a second term if he were to even be elected. But the fact that even Democrats are seeing what we're all seeing, that he is clearly degrading mentally. Um, He's clearly, you know, physically doesn't seem to be ready to handle the rigors of a campaign, let alone the White House again. And yet here he is at the rally today, just kind of making a joke about age. Take a listen to this one. I tell you what, someone said, you know, uh, that Biden, he's getting old, man. I tell you what. Well, guess what? Guess what? I tell you, know, the only thing that comes today is a little bit of wisdom. I, 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 I've been doing this longer than anybody, and I guess what? I'm going to continue to do with your help. Oh, boy. Isn't it funny that I you know, seem like an absent professor, if that? And meantime, there's word that President Biden has been on vacation somewhere between 40 to 45 percent of the time since he has taken office. Can you imagine that? Any job in America 
that you'd be away from the White House and most of the time on vacation in that window. Hi, uh, I'm gone for half the time. That That is an unbelievable uh, number. And it speaks volumes. And even when he's at the White House, the number's a lot higher. Because when he's at the White House, remember, he does like these half days. He starts at like 10 a.m. and he's done at like 3 or 4. Because apparently he can't function after that. So they have to schedule like anything in that window. This is nuts. So here is media commentator Joe Concha talking about what the vacation time means for the vacationer in chief. This is a president. If you are on vacation 40% of your presidency, that means you average working three out of seven days per week on average. Overall, this is a president who has taken nearly as many vacation days, 390, as Ronald Reagan did. Here's the problem. Reagan did it in eight years, over an eight-year period. Two and a half years, you have this president already almost at this number at this point. And that is why an overwhelming majority of Americans, as Jeanette announced before, 77% of Americans don't want him to run for president again. 69% of Democrats agree with that sentiment because he's just too old. And by the way, that's an excuse because he's always been incompetent. Isn't that amazing that in about two years' time, he has taken off as much time as Reagan, who got criticized for taking a bit of time in eight years? That is That just leaps and bounds says everything. And it shows how disconnected he is from reality. Think about also in the Maui case, it took him two weeks to go to Maui. Remember, it was like no rush. And then when he got there, he told that crazy story about the kitchen fire. You know, and now we heard another version of it when he finally uh, got there. And then he also goes to Florida. At least he showed up there. But then he tells the crazy kitchen story there, too. So today, uh, this was actually over the weekend, he gets asked, well, what about East Palestine? This is, of course, the site of that terrible train derailment that happened, that toxic train derailment in Ohio. Those people have been asking, where is the president? It happened in March. Here we are. It's now September. And he has yet to go to East Palestine. So reporters were saying, when are you going to go to East Palestine? Because you seem to be... Now, trying to pretend like you're responsive, at least, to some of these disasters. Again, two weeks too late to Maui. And then he laughed about how hot the ground was. And again, talked about the fire that wasn't really as bad. Nowhere near as bad as he makes it sound, um, as these people have lost everything. Then he goes to Florida. So now they're like, okay, well, you keep saying that you wanted to go to East Palestine. Uh, How come you're not going? And listen to this answer. This, to me, is unbelievable from President Biden. I said in March that you would go to East Palestine, Ohio. You came here. How come you haven't gone to East Palestine yet? Well, I haven't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. There's a lot going on here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. I'm going from uh, from Washington to India to Vietnam, to, and so I, it's going to be a while. But... Uh, We're making sure that East Palestine has what they need materially in order to deal with their problems. First of all, it's East Palestine. And second of all, he what, he's too busy. So guess where he's going? He is going around the world. He's going to the G20, which is important. um, But he's also then going to Vietnam for like a climate and technology conference. That's more important to him than being, I guess, at one of the memorial sites 
on 9-11. He's not going to be. He's going to be the first president in American history since the 9-11 attacks, 22 years. So he will be the first one not to be either at the White House or any of the attack sites. Ground Zero in New York, Shanksville. Also, what about the Pentagon? He's not going to be at any of those places because he's at a climate conference. What does that say to you about his priorities? That's shameful. Here is J.D. Vance, the senator from Ohio, responding to Biden being MIA at the scene of that train derailment six months ago. He's just too busy to go. And this is uh, actually this is you know what? This is cut number nine. This is cut number nine. Care. This is a guy who ran for president to be called Mr. President, not to actually do something for the people of the country. And you see it every single day. You ask how the people of East Palestine are doing. In a lot of ways, they're still struggling. They're trying to rebuild. I think they're trying to come back. And I really believe it's one of the strongest, most hardworking, most courageous groups of of people that I've ever met. So they're going to come back stronger than ever. But their government isn't helping them. And there are a lot of problems that are still there. Number one, indoor air quality testing for people who are living in areas where they're still smelling toxic fumes. The government isn't doing it. Number two, cleaning up the creek, cleaning up the watershed so that you don't have poisonous waterways. The government has failed there as well. So they're coming back, but at the same time, they're coming back in an environment where the government has failed them every single day. It's not good at all. And I think they'd be doing so much better if Joe Biden got off his rear end and actually used his government to serve the people of this country for once. And. Hilton Beckham of the America First Policy Institute had this to say. Listen, there is one there's one major thing that is expected out of you when you are president. And it's very basic. It's you show up when tragedy strikes a community and you don't have to have all the answers, but you need to be there and you need to support your people. And the fact that Joe Biden has one of the lightest schedules of any president in modern day history, on top of taking what, nearly a hundred days of vacation this year alone. And on top of that, he has this little thing called Air Force One that could take him anywhere, anytime, and especially when it's in these times of crisis, and he refuses to use it. The people of Ohio will remember that Joe Biden did not show up during this time, but they will remember that Donald J. Trump did show up in a time of crisis. People remember, and this president just seems MIA. And again, blowing off 9-11 memorial services at the attack sites. Uh, There's nothing I think more important as commander in chief uh, honoring those who died and those who endured the unimaginable, you know, not to be there and instead go to a climate conference. That to me is such a slap in the face. There are so many problems going on in this country. We're talking about crime. We're talking about the issue with migrants. Uh, We're talking about threats to the homeland on so many different levels. And yet he's going to a climate conference. How does that say about his priority? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dan on line six. Uh, Dan, your thoughts about what a mess we're in. Uh, Thanks, Rita, and your screener. Um, I just wanted to comment on the lady um, that got hurt. Um, I think we need to start carrying zip ties, and we need to surround these people, and we need to hold them until the law comes. 
Yeah. By the way, uh, I agree that if people can intervene, but also it's risky. You know, it depends who's, you know, who's there. Um, you know, uh, like a taser or something like that sure would be great or something, whatever's legal. Um, but, you know, or, or people just, you know, coming up from behind and trying to deck the person, you know, but it's scary. You know, um, what's going on or even just to distract the person sometimes. Sometimes distracting the person is enough uh, to be able to get them off of that individual for a moment and get the other person to be able to run away. Uh, how sad is that, that we're at that point, though, Dan, where people have to think that way and people are scared yes, to is. intervene. Isn't that sad, Dan? I feel like there's this Definitely tendency sad. that they're scared. Even police are scared, you know? Yep. We are at a bad place. Dan, thank you very, very, very much. Let's go to Tony, line two. Tony, your thoughts. Rita, what a great show. I think you're right on track. I think we do have to be concerned with who's here. DHS back in December confirmed through Congressman Troy Nails. I don't know how you say yeah, it. Nails, yep, Troy Nails, yep. That the Venezuelan government empties out prisons and sends them to our border. And, of course, President Trump, even several years ago, was saying these, these are things that were happening. And he talks about it now. Yes. I think we really do need to be concerned for our safety. That's what I want to get out there. Now, the weekend started with um, a Philadelphia prison or prisoner somewhere in Philly escaping. He was originally from... A southern country. He committed a crime there. He comes to the USA, um, kills his girlfriend, stabs her to death, winds up in a Philly prison, and now he, he's out on the loose, Rita. And that's how the weekend started. It was very disturbing to hear that all those people in that town, in that Philly suburb, were told to be on guard and he's dangerous. Yep. And I think so he's I from Brazil. I remember seeing, I think he's still on the loose, Brazil. too, right? Still on the loose. Yeah, wow. Um, they've gotten they've gotten the uh, uh, sort of the homeland security people involved, but somehow he skipped from Brazil to here. And and, and you know and you know what, Tony? Mark. Because you brought up a great point. Because he's a, a double murderer, as I think I think as you brought up, and I remember he attacked the girlfriend and all that other stuff. Um, and you have to wonder uh, what's in his criminal background uh, before he came here. Uh, I mean, it's a classic case. I remember when I heard that, too. It's interesting because not a lot of people are sort of talking about his background. And you and I both picked up on that. As soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, that's interesting, Uh, because you would imagine that there's probably some violence in his home country before he came to our country. And you're right. President Trump is talking about clearing out uh, the prisons. And look at this guy in Venezuela who's been arrested uh, six times since he's been here, a separate case, the one in New York City. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. We'll give you an update tomorrow on how the latest protests went in Staten Island, where they are protesting another migrant center. And again, it's right next to a school because this is the first week of school starting days uh, any day around, you know, today, tomorrow, the next day or two. Some of them starting Wednesday, Thursday, tomorrow. Uh, So this is a real concerning time. 
not only are you going to have migrant shelters near a grammar school there in Staten Island, but then in other schools, you've got also there as well, unvaccinated kids put in schools with our school kids, the ones that have enrolled. And the attorney general of New York has clamped down on New York schools saying if you discriminate against these migrants for not having a full-time uh, location, if their address is listed as a migrant shelter, you can't discriminate against them. You can't be prejudiced against them. You have to allow them in. So suddenly we're going to have like 20,000 migrant kids coming into classrooms unvaccinated. They don't speak the language. Uh, what could go wrong? I mean, this is just, it, it is the definition of insanity. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve in Brooklyn, line seven. Steve, your thoughts. Yeah, it's time for the majority of us who are uh, disgusted with the politics to do turnaround, which is fair play. Um, somebody recently just had the nerve to ask me if I was vaccinated. And I said, no, senor. I am migrant asylum. Uh, you cannot ask me a question about my vaccination or anything else, my health, my politics or anything. And this petty Napoleon was stupefied that anyone stood up and said that. I then added, I will report you to the authorities for breaking the law by asking me. Wow. I think that all of us who are citizens of the U.S. should refuse to comply with the petty Napoleons, the little martinets that have suddenly assumed power, and the radicals, the progressives. You know, if everybody claims to be a migrant, then they lose every advantage. Yeah, and I think, by the way, uh, I think we also need to make sure, if that's the case, that we get room service, uh, we get hotel rooms and four-star hotels, um, we get cell phones, we get free health care. So if we're going to do it, uh, not only do we need the accent, we need to get all the perks, too, Steve. Have a great night, everybody. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.